wonderful day. What a wonderful day we've had. We get to see some of the work of God and it reminds us that God's always at work even when we can't see it, isn't he? Uh, let's uh, ask for the Lord's prayer, for the Lord to uh, teach us. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come to you and uh, we've seen the vivid demonstration that you inaugurated to show what you do in our lives. And we can only worship you and participate to the max and to join in and to go all in as you first went all in for us. And so we worship you and we praise you and we pray that you'd uh, open our eyes to see something that we haven't seen today and to fill us with your spirit to take another step into the things which we hadn't hitherto thought were possible in the power of God. Amen. So, of course, last February, things changed in the world. COVID arrived for us here, didn't it? And I doubt many of us have any trouble admitting that life hasn't been quite the same since then, has it? And one of the effects, many effects, one of them, of course, was this election result which beggars belief, where you've got a 10 to 15% swing of people in the middle and suddenly you've got a majority of Labor people that has never been seen before. Something different, a change, a major change. And the majorness of those changes is similar to the magnitude of a change which occurs in a baptism. It's a major change. It's a simple but very dramatic ceremony and what it declares is the major change for like today was Dion and Jim a major change in your life from being focused on your own goals to being focused on God's goals the change of old habits in order to learn new and better habits and you're on a journey to discover the spiritual gifts which God's given you and the mission he's called you to and this is not just for these two guys for all of us this is our journey as Christians to walk into the mission that God has for us, to walk into the good works that he's prepared beforehand for us to walk in, to move into the journey of increasing purity and holiness, to work into the journey of making real love for one another a central goal of our life, to move into the journey of listening for God's holy guidance every, every day, listening through the word of God for his guidance, listening for fellowship of believers listening for guidance. All that is hidden in this ceremony. And it also is a dramatic way of showing how people have been saved from disaster. One of the most striking examples of people being saved from disaster is found in Genesis chapter 6. And there's a major disaster going on in Genesis chapter 6. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. It's a bit of disaster, isn't it? And the Lord regretted. He regretted that he'd made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled. And so God said to Noah... I am going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them 
and I'm going to surely destroy both them and the earth. And so, make yourself an ark. And I'm seeing this here, and I, I know that Claire's doing a wonderful speech work of an ark. So if you get a chance to see that, that's a wonderful demonstration of this here. And so Noah built the ark, and the flood waters destroyed all the evil people. And Noah's family was dramatically saved from disaster. And if you were a Jew, that story of the way Noah saved, the way God saved through the ark, is very much a picture of what happens at baptism. And we're going to look at the scriptures there in 1 Peter 3, verse 20. And we'll see what they say there. Long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, and in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolises baptism. So they see the link, the ark, and baptism there. There are a lot of similarities there. This water symbolises baptism that now saves you also. And it's not the removal of the dirt from the body, so it's not just the water, but it's the pledge of the clear conscience towards God. It's what goes on inside. And it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels and authorities and powers in submission to him. And so, same for us. Just as the ark saved Noah's family from disaster, so baptism is showing a person being saved dramatically from disaster. The ark is also a picture of a new beginning, God's new beginning, and it's forgiveness, as is a baptism. It's a new beginning, it's forgiveness. The ark was a vessel that carried them all away from all the rotten things that they were living with, and when the water fell from heaven for the first time in history, it washed them, it immersed them, it cleansed them, and offered a new opportunity for the Noah family. And you've got the eight people, they go into the ark, they close the huge door, and that's a beautiful picture of being buried, because you're going into the ark, you've been buried, you're taken safely to a wonderful new beginning, where the ark, after the waters had subsided, settled on dry land, and they were all left the grave of safety, the, the ark, for a new world. And that's what we see there in that, what Peter in, one, in that section in 1 Peter 3, Noah's ark and Christ in baptism. And in 1 Peter there we see the, the saving aspect is Jesus. Jesus is the more perfect person. He's the only sinless person. He's the only son of God. And he's much more superior than anyone or anything else. And it is through this Jesus that we have the salvation from sin. Through Jesus, we have the bright future. Here today, and with God in heaven when we get there. Because all our sins are forgiven once and for all time because he died for us on the rugged cross. And our baptism, like Jesus, is a spiritual baptism. It works in our, makes us spiritually new, fills us with the Holy Spirit, and it gives us comfort in life. And it communicates this through the dramatic ceremony it was seen. It says things that even words can't say. Well, that's a similarity between the ark, salvation, and baptism. Well, what about some other 
biblical information about baptism. Take this little thought. It's always good to start with Jesus' example, isn't it? Did you know Jesus was going to get baptised? He walked about... He, what? he walked. He didn't take an Uber. He walked about 40 miles, at 64 k's, to the Jordan River to be baptised by John the Baptist. So that's almost walking all the way to Meriden. It's slightly more than walking to Nokanning. It's walking further than to Nakani. It's walking further than to training to Benny to Kano, just to be baptised. The fact that he walked that far should tell us that baptism's important. Yeah, shouldn't it? Just before he came up to heaven, he also did something else. In Matthew 28, verse 19, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nation. Doing what? Baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. And so straight up, here's two reasons why every Christian should be baptised. First, Jesus was baptised. Second, he commanded everyone who follows him to be baptised. So it's important. It's important. Well, let's just go back to Jesus' story of when he was baptised in Matthew 3. Then uh, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John, having walked 40 miles. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and yet you're coming to me? What's going on? Jesus said, no, let it be so now. It's proper. It's proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. And then John said, okay, he consented. Water baptism, it's a symbol. It's designed by God and it shows a person to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. What's that word baptise actually mean? Baptisma in the Greek means to immerse completely under the water. It's another way of saying it's, it's to plunge or to dunk. So that's why we have full immersion here. That's what the Greek word is plain in its meaning. And when we accept Jesus as saviour, spiritually we are baptised into Christ. Let's look at that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith, for all of you, were all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Another being baptised under the water, but it's also similar to being clothed, putting on new clothes. So that's what baptism is, a sign we've been baptised into the body of Christ, into the church. That's part of our new clothing. Let's confirm that in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body. So baptism, even though it's one person going through the water, you are now showing you're connected with all of us, all the people around about you. We are all baptised into the one body, whether Jews or non-Jewish people, slave or free. There's no hierarchy here. All of us are given the one spirit to drink. Interesting other aspect of baptism and water is inner cleansing. Inner cleansing. Water cleans stuff, doesn't it? 
They say that the most pure substance in the world is running water. Let's look at that Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. So that water is a symbol of cleansing and it's tied in with the word of God. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts what? Sprinkled to cleanse. Sprinkled to cleanse us from our guilty conscience. And our bodies also washed with pure water. When you think about it, another aspect of of baptism, water baptism is like a funeral because there's a death. And it's an act of faith that says, my old sin nature has had a funeral. It's been dead. It's been buried. And then it's left down there and I'm raised up as a new creation in Christ. And let's see that in scripture in Romans chapter 6. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that as just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Being baptised, it's not really an optional thing. It's a command from the Lord. We see that in Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, some people will take that and say, oh, you have to be baptised in order to be saved. But no, that's not what we're saying. If you look closely, it says the emphasis is on the word believe, he who believes and he who does not believe. It's the belief that saves you. It's not the baptism. Well, if you're still toying with that idea, consider the thief on the cross. He didn't get baptised, and yet what did Jesus say to him? In Luke 23, 43, Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't come down from the cross, get baptised, and then he was okay. He was straight there. Please note, therefore, that salvation is received by faith alone. And we remind ourselves of that in John 3.16. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we confirm that in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves, not you being a clever person. It's a gift of God. It's not by works. You weren't so clever and so hard working that you got it by what you did. No, it wasn't by works so that no one can boast. One more confirmation of that in Titus 3 verse 5. He saved us not because of the righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. And he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if baptism was necessary for salvation, why would, why would Paul have said in 1 Corinthians, I thank God I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. Why would he said in verse 17 there, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach. That's what he was sent for, to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. 
So we have baptism today showing others, showing ourselves what's going on inside. When we receive the grace of God through salvation, it's no accident that he wants us to identify in a way with him, to identify with him in a way that involves our whole body, a way that shows commitment of our whole personhood. The whole body goes under the water. A little pastoral thought here. Are you struggling with guilt over your past? And maybe it might be that you haven't given the person you once were a proper burial. And that baptism reminds us today that if we're still hanging on to old habits and old desires and old yearnings from our pre-Christian life, then we need to let them stay buried under the water. In fact, we might need to throw them again under the water so the Holy Spirit can forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. So we, we wrap it up. Water baptism is a very powerful reminder of God's wonderful grace, the ability to put all of our past behind us and leave it under the water. The person we were, dead forever. We are raised up in Jesus to be a totally new creation. So sum it up, there are four stages of the work of Jesus in baptism. One, he died, and so I died in him. Romans 6 to confirm that. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So that's point one. He died, I died in him. Point two, he was buried, I was buried with him. Romans 6 tells us that. Well, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we too might live a new life. He was buried, I was buried with him. And then, point three, he was raised and I have new life in him. Verse four there, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live a new life. And verse five, for if we've been united with him in death, you know, under the water, we'll certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. Point four, he ascended. I ascend with him. Wonderful promise. And God, from Ephesians 2, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of wonder in that verse, isn't there? A lot of wonder. Wow. So, in the baptism, some questions were asked to the candidates, which we ask of ourselves at this moment. Do you acknowledge your spiritual poverty and turn completely away from your old sinful life? We do. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour? We do. With the help of the Holy Spirit, will you obey the will of God? Keep his commandments and walk in them all the days of your life. We do. Let's pray. 
These are our questions for all of us, Lord. Baptism starts something new with all the potential of being seated with you in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Wow, what a promise of the future. But there's the rest of our life to live. There's a mission to live. There is a growing more like you, a process of becoming holy to embark on. There are new habits to learn. There are new, new, new things. And so we open ourselves to you and we say, Lord, Holy Spirit, Lord God, Father and Son, we worship you and we determine to follow you all the days of our life.